Hey everybody, thank you for listening this week as we dive into a series that we're calling The Wilderness, A Journey to Obedience, where our prayer is that you would learn God's plan for your obedience and that this will result in a transformed life that would call people to Jesus. Are you ready? Let's lean in. We're going to pray over Grayson. Grayson is our media pastor here and also one of our church planters in resident. And so Grayson eventually will be planting a church or doing something that God calls him to do. We'll see what that is. And, but we're going to pray over him before he shares the word with us. Father God, I thank you so much for Grayson. I thank you for his heart. Thank you for Sarah Grace. And Father God, last week, their new baby boy that we found out who's going to come into the world. And they're going to be parents to you, Father God. So before we move into the preaching part of this prayer, Father God. I want to just pray over a blessing of them, of being parents who raise their child in the ways of the Lord. And Father God, when sleepless nights come, when they get frustrated, let them remember how big of a blessing you bless them with through this little boy, Father God, uh, through who you're going to bring to them. And Father God, I pray for health over that child and he's just continued to develop and health for Sarah Grace and patience for Grayson as he seeks to be a good husband and a good father and more importantly, a good father of you. So Father God, today I pray that you use him as nothing more than a microphone to amplify your voice as he shares your word from your word, Father God, from your Bible, from your scripture, from your inerrant word. Father, I pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit to speak through him and that hearts would be encouraged, that hearts would be changed, and that lives would be transformed through the preaching of your word. Father God, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm happy to be here with you guys. That was a really good good morning. I'm happy to be here with you guys preaching uh, and teaching. Um, I've got a ton of energy built up. I'm just super excited for this message uh, that the Lord has laid on my heart. And so I'm not going to waste any time. I want to get into it. So um, if you want to, if you have your Bible, you are welcome. Turn your Bible to uh, number 16. Um, while you're doing that, I'm going to preface. I don't know if that was me. I'm going to preface. So for the last few weeks, we have been talking about numbers uh, in general numbers. Um, but this is the verse that we are basing everything around what we are doing this year. Okay, it is uh, Numbers 1330. It says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. I was standing over here during worship and I was reading that. And I, you know, typically the last few weeks I've been paying attention to the certain, certainly do it uh, and take possession. But it's really interesting. God pointed to those, uh, to, to three words silenced the people. And it's really, really interesting because in a way, that's what I want to speak to today. Today, I want to speak specifically to the way that lies bind us up and truth frees us. Because what's really interesting is in this verse, the reason that Caleb is saying this, the reason that he makes this comment is because they've started spreading rumors. They have started saying uh, spies were sent into the promised land and they started overviewing uh, what, what God was taking them into, what God was doing. And the spies saw these, what, what they call uh, really, really big people. Okay, I think they were called Nephilim. Yeah, and so Ricky talked about that. Um, so I'm not going to get into that too much. But, okay, they were just really big people, and they were really intimidated by them. And so Caleb and Joshua, doesn't say Joshua's name here, but Joshua was involved in this. Okay, Caleb and Joshua, they weren't afraid of the people, but the other spies were. And so they said, Everything looks exactly how God said it was going to look, but there's these really big people, and we're kind of scared of them. So I don't think we should do it. 
I don't, I don't really think that that's exactly what we should do. I think we should wait. I think we should maybe go somewhere else. And Caleb replies and he says, no, we need to do what God said that we should do. We need to go and take possession of this land. We need to go and be the people that God called us to be. And see, right in that moment, a lie was born amongst the Israelite people. A lie was put into place and rumors spread and, and there was this infection of this lie. It's crazy. If you go through Numbers 14, you see, you see exactly what happens. They refuse to enter Canaan. They refuse to enter uh, and do what God had asked them to do. And because of that, God says, okay, if you don't want to do it, that's fine, but you're not going to receive the promise. You're not going to receive the promised land. Your descendants will. I'm still going to uphold the promise for you. Your descendants will receive it, so you're still partaking in it. Your family is partaking in it, but you specifically, you're not going to receive it because you're believing the lie rather than believing me. You're believing what, you're, what you think you're capable of rather than what I'm capable of. And so as a result of that, Israel, they just get overwhelmed. They, they get all in their emotions. They're like, God, what do you mean we're not going to get the promised land? What do you mean we're not going to get to step into this thing that you've asked us to step into? What do, you think, what do you mean we're not going to get this amazing land and be able to live in this awesome place? What do you mean? That doesn't make any sense. That's not fair. I've done all of this. We've done all of these things. We left, we left Egypt. We, we went through the wilderness. We're still in the wilderness. Like This does not make sense. You've asked us to do this, and now we're saying that we're willing to do it. But what's interesting is they're willing to do it after God tells them, that they're not going to receive it. They're willing to do it after God reveals their disobedience. When in reality, it shouldn't take our disobedience. It shouldn't take their disobedience for them to see what they need to do. They just need to trust who God is. And that's, that's the point that he's trying to make. They just needed to trust him and understand. It's really interesting because he calls it the promised land. Like, it's, it's already promised. It's already, it's already yours. You just need to do what I say. And they're not willing to. This lie starts to infect the community. Okay? So disobedience is born from this lie. And so at the very end of Exodus 14, they still try to do it. They still try to go and take uh, Canaan. They still try to step into the promised land and do what God had asked them to do, but then told them not to do. Because it wasn't going to work out. The reason that it wasn't going to work out is because they were believing this lie rather than believing God. They're still believing this lie, and they're trying to fix their disobedience with more disobedience. Okay, so this, this whole just infection of lies and disobedience is in the community. They're not relying on God at all. They're relying on what they think is right after the fact. Does that make sense? This is, so, we're going to jump into Exodus 16. So you know, Exodus 15 is uh, more of atonement. It's like God explaining, okay, here's what you guys need to do to atone, to uh, confess what has happened, to, to uh, make right what has happened. Okay, so if you would like to go and read that, you can, but that's just a general overview. Uh, so we're going to jump into Numbers 16. And if you're taking notes today, uh, the first note uh, that you can, you can write down is that lies bind. 
That's what we're going to see in this first section. So uh, number 16, I'm going to read it. It should be on the screen here behind me. I'm pretty sure it's the same version, so it should line up. I know sometimes that can be confusing. So number 16. Now Korah, son of Izhar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, with Dathan and Abram, sons of Elab, and On, son of Peleth, son of Reuben, took 250 prominent Israelite men, who were leaders of the community and representatives in the assembly, and they rebelled against Moses. They came together against Moses and Aaron and told him, You have gone too far. Everyone in the entire community is holy, and the Lord is among them. Why do you exalt yourself above the Lord's assembly? Korah, so you know, Korah is Moses' cousin. Uh, the, the family tie, it's, it's not like here's him and here's his cousin. It's like, here's him, here's another cousin, here's another cousin. Then there's Cora. It's like a distant cousin, but they're related. And I know you're probably thinking, well, aren't they all like technically related? Yes, but like they are like closely related, okay? So Moses' family member has raised up 250 people based off of the lie that came from this, based off of the lie that came from what kept them from doing what the Lord had asked them to do. So he is uh, influencing these people through disobedience rather than obedience, through a lie rather than truth. The lie, as we saw through Exodus, the end of Exodus, or Numbers, I'm sorry, I did what Ricky's been doing. (laughs) Um, What we saw in Numbers 13 and through 14 and through 15, the lie, it, it bound them. It, it tied them up. It wrapped them up. Okay, it, it, it had them, I mean, just, just so just wrapped up in disobedience that they couldn't see clearly what they needed to do. And so Korah, influenced by this lie, uh, affected by this disobedience, affected by this lie, okay, he says, he comes to Moses and he says, Moses, enough. This, uh, I'm done. We're done. We have had enough. We are over it. We've been trying to do what you've been saying, but it's not working. Okay, we just lost a whole bunch of people because we tried to go into the promised land like God said, but it didn't work. We're, we're hurt. We're hungry. We're angry. We're upset. We're overwhelmed. We're exhausted. We have exhausted ourselves mentally, physically, whatever. We're done, Moses. We can't take it anymore. We can't take it anymore. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever done that with God? Have you ever, like, I know for me, one of the most common places that I've done that is in my car when I'm driving. I'll be in my car, and it's just, I'm thinking about stuff, and I'm just overthinking because that's what I am. I'm I'm an overthinker. Um, You can ask Sarah Grace. It's 100% true. Um, And I'm just like, God? I can't do this anymore. Like, I need you to handle the situation, and if you don't, I'm going to handle it myself. Like, I'm just going to take care of it. Like, I'm just going to do what I think I need to do because I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know what to do anymore. It doesn't, I, I, I'm done. I'm spent. I'm spent. Have you ever had that happen? Like, have you ever been in that place? Have you ever felt God move in that place? Have you ever seen God work in that place? Have you ever felt like 
maybe you were believing a lie in that situation to where you weren't good enough to get that job or you weren't good enough to step into that new season. You weren't good enough to get up and talk in front of people. That was me for eight years, by the way. I didn't think that I was good enough to get up and talk in front of people. Have you ever been so bound up in a lie that it kept you from doing what God had asked you to do? Have you ever just come before God and be like, God, it does not make sense anymore? Like, I, for me, I've been trying to do this for eight years, God. I was, trying to, I was trying to step into what you called me to for eight years, and it wasn't working out. And I finally got to a place where I was like, God, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't, I, I've tried everything. I've tried everything. And it's interesting because the next part is... Uh, it's when Korah comes in and he says the entire community is holy and the Lord is among them. Okay, he's misread his personal place. That's what the first part was, the first comment. He misread where he was at spiritually, physically. But the second part, okay, he misunderstood the posture of the entire community. He's saying the Lord is among them. He's saying that the Lord is with them. He's saying that everyone is holy. But all they've been doing is acting in disobedience. All they've been doing is not obeying what God has asked them to do, which is to just listen, to just listen. He has placed Moses and Aaron as their leaders so that they could lead them into the promise. And Moses asked them, Moses told them through God that they were supposed to go up, take this land. They said no, a lie happened. The lie bound them up. Have you ever been in a place where you misread where you were at in your life? You've misread the circumstances that are around you. You've misread uh, the things that are happening to you, the people that are around you. Have you, ever, have you ever been in that place? Like, have you ever allowed a lie to influence that? Like, you're not good enough, so you, you don't think you can step into that thing? You don't think that you're good enough to step into that job? Do you see how lies bond, lies constrict, they, they limit you? They keep you from obedience. As we see in the last question that Korah asks, he says, why then do you exalt yourself among the Lord's assembly? Korah is misunderstanding obedience in this moment too. So he's misunderstood his place. He's misunderstood the posture of the entire community. And now he's misunderstanding what obedience even means. Because he thinks that Moses is trying to exalt himself. He thinks that Moses is trying to do all of these great things to make himself look good, when in reality, he's not doing any of these things to make himself look good. He's doing all these things to make God look good. He's doing all these things to glorify the Father. Because that's what the Father wants. And Moses knows that because Moses listens, but the other people aren't listening. They're listening to the lie because the lie is mounting them up. And now Korah has influenced 250 people with this lie, and it started to infect them. That's the second point. Lies infect who we are. Lies infect. And so, as a result of this, as we see this conversation unfold, as we unsee, as we see Cora uh, explain what's going on, or try to explain what's going on, Moses receives it. Moses is there. Moses hears every word that he brings before him. 
that his family member brings before him. And in the next verse it says, in verse 4, When Moses heard this, he fell face down. He fell face down. Moses could have gotten in Cora's face. He could have called him any name that he wanted. He could have done anything really that he wanted, but he didn't. He fell face down. When you think of someone falling face down, what do you think of? For me, I think of humility. I think of submission. I think of him getting on his knees and hearing, receiving what was brought to him and saying, okay, I hear what you're saying. Let me process it. Let me think about what you're talking about. Let me, let me look back over everything that I've done. Let me look back over uh, the things that have happened, the steps that we've taken, the, the direction that we've gone. Let me look back over these things. But in the same sense, he's also listening for what God has to say about the situation. He is submitting and listening not only to Korah, but he's also doing it to the Father. Because Moses understands in this moment, he's not the one that can reveal the lie. He's not the one that can make it known to everyone. God is. When's the last time that you fell face down in the face of opposition, in the face of a lie, in the face of disobedience? That's not what Israel did in this moment. They didn't fall face down in front of the lie that, that kept them from being able to go into the promised land. They just listened to it. The lie infected them, and Moses saw that. He saw the way that it was consuming uh, the people. He saw the way that it began to influence the leaders within Israel, and he knew that Israel was not in a good state, and he knew that he was not the one to resolve this conflict. He knew that all he needed to do was just listen. Listen to them and listen to God. Because when you listen to them and to God, when you listen to God, you listen to the truth. You're listening to the truth. And he knew that the only way to understand what was being said from these people was to listen to the truth, not to the lies. Not to the lies that kept them from going and doing what God had asked them to do. He knew the only way was to listen. And so as a result of this, I'm going to story the rest of it because it's a really, really long story, and it's, it's just there's a lot to unpack. Um, the rest of the story unfolds. Moses tells Korah and all the other 250 people to get their fire pans and to light incense in them because the purpose of the fire pan was to light an incense that was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Okay? And it would please the Lord. And the idea is that only the priests, only the people that the Lord had appointed to do that would be able to do that. If they weren't appointed to do that, the Lord would not allow it. He would not allow it. And so Moses is saying, okay, you've brought this before me. I know that this is what God has said, and this is what the priests are supposed to do. So let's do it. And if me and Aaron are in the wrong, if we are exalting ourselves, if we have gone too far, if we have done too much, if, if, if we are in the wrong, 
If what you're saying is right, then the Lord will remove us. But if what you're saying is wrong, if it's a lie, the Lord's going to remove you. The Lord's going to remove the lie from the situation regardless. Because truth reveals. That's point number three. Truth reveals. And Moses understood that. Moses understood that the, that the truth would reveal who was in the wrong. What, what was the problem? Where was the lie? Because when you boil it down, like we were talking about at the very beginning, everything that happened here, everything that happened in Numbers 13, everything that kept them from being able to, to go into the promised land that got them to this point, it was the simple fact of they were intimidated by these people, and so they, they made up a lie that they couldn't do it. And it spread like wildfire. And it put fear into the heart of people. It put uh, anxiety into the heart of people. They didn't want to do it because they did not believe, but they did, the reason that they did not believe is because of the lie. And Moses knew the only way to solve this problem, to fix what happened in, Mo- uh, in Numbers 13, is to allow God to remove it. And so... God does. They, they do the incense. All of them come before the tabernacle, and Moses and Aaron see the Lord appear. They see a cloud come, and God tells Moses and Aaron to separate himself from them because he was going to remove them. The Bible specifically says that he was going to consume them because the reality is is that truth will always consume a lie and get rid of it truth will always consume a lie and get rid of it because lies cannot be present where the father is and so God does that God removes the lie he removes the people and anything that was attached to them because lies cannot be present where the father is and it's really interesting because there's a very similar story uh, in the Gospels. I've been reading through just different portions uh, of the Gospels here and there in my quiet times, and the Lord brought me uh, to John 8. Um, I've shared this with a few people just because the Lord has been speaking this into my own life. And so what I'm talking to you guys about this morning, this is something that I'm learning and that I'm leaning into and that the Lord is working out in me in the same way. Um, But John 8, if you'd like to turn there, you can. Uh, It'll be on the screen up behind me. But Jesus had just got done teaching. He just got done teaching to these Jews, to these people that were wrapped up in religion um, and sacraments and all these different things. They were wrapped up in all these practices because they thought that these practices are what uh, identified and confirmed their relationship with God, their place with God, that they were an Israelite. And so we're going to pick up in verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said to the Jew who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many of you have heard that verse before? Yes, a fair amount of you have heard the verse of, You will hear the truth, and truth will set you free. But I think it's very interesting because we hear that part, but do we hear the first part of that? 
if you continue in my word, you really are my disciple, and you will hear the truth, and the truth will set you free. The reason, the reason that they couldn't go and do what God had asked them to do is because they weren't remaining in God's word. They weren't listening to God's word in, 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 the, in the wilderness. They weren't present in it. They weren't staying in it. They weren't listening to what God had asked them to do. They were listening to what the circumstances before them were. They were listening to the lies that were around them, the rumors that had been spread. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, hey, if you're my disciple, you have to continue in my word. And when you continue in my word, when you are my disciple, the truth will come to you and it will set you free. It will continue to set you free over and over and over every single day. Every single day. And it's, again, great parallel because the Jews reply to him and they say, we are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say we will become free? They don't even understand that they're enslaved. They don't even understand their, their disobedience. They don't even understand what's going on. They're not understanding this truth. They understand that Jesus is the, is the Messiah, they understand that God has sent him to a degree. We're going to see that in a second. But they didn't understand the, the disobedience that they were living in, the sin that they were living in. They didn't, see their, they didn't see their place. They didn't understand the posture of everyone's heart, and they did not understand what obedience was, the same way that Korah was. And Jesus responds to them. He says, Truly I tell everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin, a slave does not remain in his household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free. I know that you are a descendant of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father, and so then you do what you have heard from your father. So Jesus is saying, I understand what you're saying, and you are, you are related to Abraham but you're also related to me, and you're not understanding what I'm saying. You're not understanding the point. You are enslaved to sin. You're not physically enslaved. You are spiritually, emotionally, mentally enslaved. And because of that, it does enslave your body because it affects who you are physically. Jesus is, is revealing to them the spiritual part of it, the, the part of it that matters more than anything. He is explaining the truth that they are living in disobedience because they are a slave to sin. And if they would just understand that and live in obedience, which is listening to him, they will be set free. And he reminds them, the reason that you can't listen to me, the reason that you're not comprehending this is because you are of your father. You are of the person that has control over, not control, but has influence over you. And they're like, what are you talking about? They say, our father is Abraham, they replied. And Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, you would do what Abraham did. Talk about a slap in the face. But now you're trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your, father, what your father does. 
He is literally saying to them, you don't even understand who your father is. You don't even understand your place. You don't even understand where you're at. You don't understand anything. I am telling you the truth and you are not receiving it. And the reason that you're not receiving it is because God is not your father. You are bound up in this lie. You are bound up so much that you're not even seeing clearly. And they reply, we aren't born of sexual immorality. (laughs) We have one father, God. See, now they're starting to see the point that he's trying to make, but they're still not grasping it 100%. They're still kind of relating to the physical, but they're also kind of seeing the spiritual. He's starting to to help them see clearly. The truth is starting to gain way. And it says, or Jesus says, I'm sorry, if God were your father, you would love me. Because I came from God and I am here. For For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You, aren't, you are of your father, the devil, who want, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Do you understand the point that I'm trying to make? Truth sets you free. And the reason that they weren't free to enter the promised land is because they were so bound up in a lie. Caleb and Joshua, they weren't bound up in a lie. They saw their confidence. They understood that, that the Lord was their confidence. They understood that the Lord, what he, said, what he was saying was true. They understood that they needed to listen to, to God. They, need, they understood that they needed to be his disciple. That they just needed to listen and obey. They understood that. But these Jews in this moment, they're not understanding that. And Jesus is saying, you're not of me. You're of your father. You're of lies. You are so wrapped up in lies that you can't listen to me. And I'm telling you the truth. All you have to do is listen. Whenever we listen, the Lord will reveal what has infected us and what binds us up so that he can set us free. It's so simple. And that's why discipleship is so important. I cannot tell you guys enough. Eight years ago, when I had no relationship with Christ, I didn't have discipleship. I didn't understand what discipleship was. I didn't understand the Word of God. I didn't understand any of it. I was curious of it. Five years later, I'm going through my relationship with Christ. I still don't have discipleship. still don't have people around me that love me, that care about me, uh, and my walk with Christ. I don't have that. I take almost about a year out of the church. I'm studying Christianity, but I am angry at God. I am angry at the place that I'm at. I'm I'm angry about the place where I'm at in life. I'm just, I'm fed up. I'm done. But then I get into a discipleship relationship. And then I have someone start explaining the word to me a little bit better. I start to dig in on my own. I start to spend time praying processing the things that the Father is telling me and teaching me, that other people who hear from the Father are speaking into my life. And that leads me to a place to where I can stand in obedience because I'm listening. The thing that's, the difference, this is what we're called to do as a church this year. 
We're called to go and take the land. We're called to have conversations with people. We're called to make disciples. We're called to to be who Christ needs us to be, wants us to be. But the only what's going to keep us from being able to do that is the lies that are in your life. What lie in your life is keeping you from being able to do that? From being able to go and take a hold of the conversation that's in front of you every single day? What lie is keeping you from being able to invest in this church? What lie is keeping you from doing what Christ has asked you, has called you, wants you to do because he knows that that is what's best because that is obedience and obedience is what's best. What lie? For me, it was that I, I wasn't good enough. I've already hit on it once. I, wasn't, I, I thought I wasn't good enough. I thought that I wasn't a good enough public speaker. I thought that I was weird. I thought that I was weird because I played video games a lot. I thought, I mean, I thought that I was just a weird person, okay? I really did. I still do sometimes, but that's just the truth. Yeah, Isaac thinks so. so. But I, I didn't think, I didn't think that I could do it, and that was a lie that, I, that Satan was speaking into my life that began to bind me up. The people that I had around me at the time, they didn't help. Because nobody was influencing me and, and empowering me and teaching me that I could. I wasn't in discipleship. And so it began to affect my life. It began to affect who I was in my everyday life. And so wherever I went, I had this negative attitude of I can't do this. Sometimes it still happens. Because I'm human. I'm sinful. But I have to identify that lie every single day and tell myself, I can because Jesus says I can. I can because Jesus has called me to. I can because Jesus has asked me to do it. And he wouldn't ask me to do something that he hasn't already prepared me for. He wouldn't ask us as a church to have these conversations, to invest in people and invest in this church, if we couldn't do it. He wouldn't lead us in this direction if we couldn't do it. And the difference, but I truly believe this because right before this, okay, The reason that Caleb silenced the people is because he saw the lie. He heard the lie. He identified it immediately. And he knew that that lie was going to keep them from what God asked them to do. And so my challenge for you today is to identify that lie. Identify where Satan, the father of lies, is speaking into your life. It may be something as small as uh, you can't do it. While it sounds like a small statement, it is a huge thing. But it may be something as small as you don't know how to serve on tech. You don't know how to love on kids because you don't love to be around kids. I don't know. Whatever lie it is, ask God to identify it. If you're not in a discipleship relationship at this church, get in one. If you're not in a small group, get in one. Because as we saw with Korah, when they separated themselves from the rest of Israel, when they separated themselves from the truth and allowed themselves to be wrapped up in the lie, it led them to be separated forever. 
And that's the truth. Jesus came. He had these conversations. He invested in these people. He revealed this truth so that we could be connected with him, so that we didn't have to be separated from him forever. He came and he, he died. He took nails through his hands. He, t- he, put, he took nails through his feet. Okay, he, he took mocking. We're going to talk about it Easter. I'm so excited about it. He did all of this because he just, he loved you and he wants to help you. He wants to help you identify those lies in your life because he understands that we need him and he understands that the best thing for us is obedience. It is just listening to him, being around other people that have the same mindset, the same vision, the same direction, the same, the same understanding of who the father is. That's what he wants. He just wants us to listen to him and to be in those relationships with him. Jesus loves you guys. And I truly, truly believe that if we as a church can identify the lies that have bound us up, that have infected us, that Jesus will reveal them and free us from them so that we can fulfill the thing that he has called us to do. I truly, truly, truly believe that. And so, again, my challenge for you guys, identify the lie that's in your life. Because it may be the difference between someone that you know that's around you every single day hearing the gospel and not. It really might. And Satan will speak to you in that way. He doesn't want us to succeed at that at all. He wants us to stay right where we're at, sitting in the same seat every single Sunday, coming to the same church, listening to the same things, not involved in small group, not involved in discipleship, not nothing. He just, he wants, he wants us to stay, can say just right where we're at, right where you're at. You can just stay right where you're at, but that's not where Jesus calls us. Jesus never calls us to stay right where we're at. So I love you guys. Identify the lie. And if you don't understand why you can't identify the lie in your life, if you, if you can't understand, um, what, you need to be doing to identify that. If you don't understand what it even means to have a relationship with Jesus, I want to talk to you. I would love to talk to you about it. I believe that Jesus wants to talk to you. I believe that he wants you to be around community that loves you. I believe that Jesus loves you specifically. And so I'm going to pray for us. That went a lot quicker than I think I planned it, but yeah. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, I love you guys. I hope that you guys leave here encouraged. Encouraged that now you can see and you need to identify the lies that are going to keep you from being able to take the land because you can do it. So I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for this word that you brought us this morning. Uh, Father, I pray, that you, I pray that you help us identify the lies that are in our life. Identify the things that separate us from you, that don't allow us to see you clearly, that don't allow us to understand you, that don't allow us uh, to be in a discipleship relationship, in a small group relationship. Father, you speak truth. And you set us free. You love us. You care about us. We understand that through various, various places throughout the scripture, Father, we see it. And we can understand it through the story of Korah that you separated and you got rid of the lies so that you could protect the rest of the people that had faith in you. 
because those people, those are the people that would eventually inherit. Their descendants would eventually inherit what you have promised, what you had called them to. Father, we know that you love us. Help us identify those lies. Help us begin new relationships. It's in your name that I pray this. Amen. Thank you for listening this week. To learn more about ID Clifton, including our gathering times, small groups, and upcoming events, check out our website at idclifton.com. Again, thank you for listening to the ID Clifton podcast. And remember, love God and love others. See you next week.